0: SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Four and a half minutes after six o'clock on this Friday evening, this is the Market Update with MoneyWeb, Hilton Tarrant and and Fupi with you until six thirty. A reminder of our SMS line three four seven zero one with the keyword Market. That's three four seven zero one with the keyword Market. One or two of your questions from last night that we'll get to in a couple of minutes' time, and uh, you are more than welcome to send through some uh, additional questions or comments about uh, shares, stocks, uh, investing. Or the market. We welcome uh, Wayne McCurry uh, of Momentum Wealth to the program. Wayne, market uh, ending pretty much flat. Yes. We were in for quite a quite a day today. We were a lot a lot better at one
1: point. Yes, we were, and it's quite surprising because U.S. data came out, and there was uh, good numbers on the employment front. There was quite good numbers out of China. There was a revision of Japanese GDP, which was good. So you would think our market would go up under that scenario, and it, and it actually fell off a little bit in the afternoon. Look, Nothing disastrous, but it's quite clear what happened in the market. Foreigners were back here.
0: Well, in the market uh, ending flat, we were up 0.4% yes. when, the, when, the, when the U.S. jobs numbers came out. RAND uh, strengthening on the back of those numbers? Well,
1: after the big collapse we saw yesterday, it should be strengthening. And I agree with Governor Marcus. The RAND is massively undervalued short-term. But when I say short-term, I mean it could recover uh, in the next six months or, or so. But unfortunately, because of our trade deficit, the RAND's is going to be in for a hiding for a number of years. I mean, it might just be too oversold now as a very short-term view. But we structurally as a country... are, are, simplistically put, living beyond our means. We we import a lot more than what we export, and our government deficit at 5.2% is very high. And the only thing that can give in that equation is the currency.
2: Wayne, several companies reaching a 52-week high uh, today, rather yes. Spur up uh, at a 52-week high. Not surprising after its a solid performance yeah, of its, it's good, results it's good, released. It's good results, yeah. Aspen and NetCare, and not forgetting Suntum um, and Nuspass, which has continued to be a solid performer.
1: Ooh, so Nuspass has been more than a solid performer. It's been an incredibly good performer. And when you look at Nuspass, you know, let's call it... The old school, in the old dinosaur investment managers, when they look at my space here and they see a half a percent dividend yield and a 46 price earnings <laughs> ratio, you know, it, it causes a bit of sweat and a bit of gray hair. But you've got to believe the story. And certainly the market believes the story because this over a number of years now must be the best performing. One, one, one of the best performing shares, certainly in amongst the large cap shares.
2: Is it a place where you'd put your money in?
1: Yes, so I do believe the story. But as I said, when you look at a half a percent dividend yield in a 46 PE ratio, you do get a few gray hairs.
0: When I just want to touch on those US jobs numbers. 236,000 jobs added. The market expected 160,000, yeah, so it much, be better. Be, much better. Uh, unemployment at 7.7%, that's the lowest since December of 2008. And to put that into perspective, it's the month before uh, Barack Obama took office.
1: Yeah. That's how long ago it was. Now, look, these are really good numbers. Now, I don't know what the Dow's is doing now. Last time I looked, it was up about half a percent or 0.4 percent. But European markets were very strong on the back of these numbers. Um, yeah, it just shows you the U.S. is recovering. I mean, you mustn't get carried away. Um, you know, a year and a half ago, everyone was so worried about a double-dip recession, and we all said, yeah, no, look, don't worry, the U.S. will survive. Now the talk in the town is, you know, the U.S. is about to explode on another massive growth path. That's not going to happen. There's still too much debt there. But clearly the risk of a, the any sort of lingering doubt about a double-dip recession has gone. However, the better the news gets... There's two implications. The better the news gets, the less people want to invest in emerging markets like South Africa. So understand, the better it gets in the U.S., quite frankly, the worse it gets for us here, simply because we're running these two twin deficits. And the second thing is, the better the U.S. gets, the quicker quantitative easing of free money comes to an end. So understand, you know, there's, there's a, it's quite clear what's caused this recovery. It's also quite clear what's going to happen to that quantitative easing as the economy improves.
0: We've seen, uh, we've seen a lot made of the rebound in the U.S. housing market, yes. and, and that has really picked up pace. Just looking at these uh, jobs numbers, 48,000 jobs, construction, construction 29,000 of those, more than half, non-residential.
1: Now, look, the, the U.S. has still... Um, the housing markets still got a long way to go to recoup what what where, where it was. I don't think that will happen in the next decade, but there' clearly is some activity there. and the US, you know th- maybe they you know building up some more manufacturing capability simply because they can't, I suppose, at the end of the day have a massive current account deficit forever. So it's really these job numbers are very encouraging.
2: Keeping with uh, international news, we saw the European Central Bank uh, leaving interest rates uh, at historic lows here yeah, at 0. Mm. 0.75%. I guess this is still you don't
1: get much lower than that. Trying right?
2: to encourage and stimulate growth there.
1: Yeah, and and by and large they're succeeding. Look, Europe's very lucky in that they've got Germany. If 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 the whole of Europe was made up of Italy's, the Europe euro would have already <laughs> collapsed and, and Europe would have already fallen apart. But luckily, enough, there is a Germany there. And they are supporting the whole lot. So I suppose you can cut rates from 0.7 to 0.5 or 0.2, but by and large, that's symbolic. I mean, money at 0.7% effectively costs you nothing.
2: Let's move to Venezuela now. Earlier this week, we heard that its President Hugo Chavez passed away, but it seems as though this had a slight impact on the market as well as the oil price. I know that Venezuela is quite an influential; yeah, it's, a big, uh, it's, a
1: big, it's a big producer, mm. but you're not actually quite sure how much it produces because there's two numbers. You know, the government says it produces X, but the actual reality looks mm. like quite a bit lower than X. Now, it hasn't caused a big effect. I mean, it's, it's interesting to, to, to study what Chavez did there. I mean, essentially, he went almost back to old-style communism stroke-socialism. He nationalized a lot of industries. He was very, very pro-poor, which I suppose um, counts in his credit. But the problem is is that he's almost bankrupted the country. The country is in dire financial straits.
2: Would you say there's a lack of confidence there, or that will build up in the months to come?
1: Uh, Who knows? I mean, it is it is still a very small economy. I mean, it's a very small economy, so it's it's relatively large in the in the oil in the oil sphere, but it's it's it's, it's quite a small economy. So it was more ideological than anything else.
0: Well, here's an interesting one, Johnny Walker, and the story is yes. up on uh, on Manuel at the moment. That. Johnny Walker, before moving north of South Africa, yeah. Sales growing 8% a year up yeah. to 2010. They took the decision to move upwards into the rest of Africa and to get whiskey into into the hands of consumers. Growth is now 33% yeah. a year, and this year it's already at
1: 40%. That's a big market. If, 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 if you can get your packaging and get the brand appeal right, there's a big market. I mean, if, I'm, I might be wrong here, but I don't think I'm far wrong. I think there's more Guinness drunk in Nigeria than mm. what there is in mm. Ireland. Mm. You know, so if you can get your marketing—it's a different kind of Guinness, by the way—but if you can get your marketing right, you can actually do extremely well north of our borders, and I suppose ultimately that's where we've got to find growth as South African companies. But the problem is, is that we can't actually compete. You now we've spoken about this so many times—it's uh, the cost structure per unit is just so high in South Africa to produce anything and export it. And that's not only because of all the normal things we talk about. The volumes are just so small compared to other producers worldwide.
2: Well let's take a look at Mr. Price which moved out of the JSC's top 40 uh, yes. list of companies earlier on this week and Discovery has taken its place Mr. Price share price up by about 4% today uh, does, uh, is, is the moving of, of a company out of that top 40 It does, it does really have really an effect
1: shorter term but I mean ultimately the price of a share is depending on what the company does and what its profits are etc etc not necessarily whether it's in or out of an index but today every person and their dog was piling into the retailer so it might have fallen a little bit too much yesterday but everyone yeah is is, is backing to the retailers very very aggressively today
0: and everyone almost
1: uh, as aggressively out of gold as aggressively as they were in yesterday I couldn't understand yesterday someone must have, must have either they must have either been a squeeze a short a, a short squeeze somehow that some guy was caught out and he couldn't deliver on on, uh, on settlement or quite frankly someone just went mad why would you push gold shares 6% in one day, if you're thinking logically? So there was something very funny about that. So they've given back a little bit of that uh, gain.
0: When we're taking questions on our SMS line 34701 with the keyword market, one of those questions uh, from last night, why is Grinrod share price rising? And that's from Fossy.
1: Okay, Grinrod, we all know the history of Grinrod, basically a freight and forwarding company. Mm. But they've done two things now. They've opened up financial services, which is relatively small, but doing very well. But more importantly, they're developing ports in Maputo for export. And I think that's the growth. Rembrandt took a huge stake in, in Grinrod, and I actually like the story. So it's still a little bit on future promises. In, it. in other words, it hasn't actually delivered the earnings, but I actually like the company. It's, it's actually one of my one of my favorite shares at the moment, simply because of this uh, new expansions of this.
2: It's also such a question from Harold, who asks if there's any hope for sack oil.
1: It's not a company I look at. Uh, uh, I actually, unfortunately, can't give a comment on that.
0: Well, uh, you're listening to the SAFA Market Update with Web. Lots to get through this evening. We will
3: take uh, more of your questions. on.
1: Are GM foods safe for human consumption?
2: My body does not have the necessary receptor to bind onto the toxic protein and choke me. So I'm not worried at all. And I've been consuming this maize for the last eight years. Look at me. Until more is known and more long-term studies have been carried out, we think it will be prudent
4: not to jump in with both feet.
2: Join me, Melanie Moses, at 4.50 p.m. on SAFM This Week as we explore this controversial topic if you're a regular listener to time to travel on SAFM on Wednesday evenings just after nine you'll know that I always encourage you to become tourist in your own town or city and what I'd like you to do is to take a moment and think about something unusual or different that you'd like to share something you'd like to highlight that makes your town or city so special something you wouldn't hesitate to recommend to a tourist to your area then send me an email to travel at safm.co.za or post something on the Facebook page, Travel on SAFM. As soon as I have a good selection, I'd like to start a feature on the show called My Town. And who knows, I may even call you up and invite you to tell the listeners all about it.
1: Time to travel
0: with and That position Can they make that joint chief executive uh, structure work?
4: Yeah, that's, that's a tough call um, because it, you don't see it often. In fact, I've tried to think, and there are one or two vague memories, but I can't recall of, of you know, where joint C uh, in banks, uh, you know, actually uh, have worked well. Uh, an obvious example where it has worked is Stephen Kosser and Bernard Cantor, who have an almost similar type role Um but in the end, it depends on, and if I use Bernard and Stephen there as an example, on the chemistry between the two. Those two really know each other, understand and trust each other. So, you know, to the extent that how do Ben and and Sim get on? Now, The way I know the two individuals, they're not guys who are strong on ego, uh, you know, very much team players, and, and I think they should get on well. But the test will only be if there's a big decision to be made where they differ.
0: Koki, just generally, given that all four banks have reported, and we don't need to get into to the figures uh, in, in terms of comparison, when you look at a bank and value it against its peers, what would you look at?
4: Now, we, we Especially on a bank, what there are a couple of figures to look at. Look, The obvious one is to look at the return on capital that it generates, which shows its efficiency, and even there, more important, the return on assets, because the return on equity, to a certain extent, shows the gearing, um, but then you've got to look at what what are the bad debts, what are the reserves against the bad debts, and uh, and the cost to income ratio. Um, but at the moment, if you if you look at the big four uh, South African banks, then it's interesting that Standard Bank now, for the first time, in many many years, trades at a discount. If you go one year out, and if my forecasts are correct. Um, then it, it's actually now the cheapest of the four banks on on the price to NAV and on a actually even on a PE basis.
0: Corky, just looking at the, the moves by these banks into, into Africa Obviously Standard Bank, uh, perhaps the most aggressive of the big four uh, We've seen the, the Absa Barclays deal voted on in, in recent weeks and, and that will go through uh, Nedbank forming the alliance with Echo Bank And, and First round through FNB mostly going at it alone I'm guessing uh, the, the battleground now moves north of us
4: Yeah in, in, indeed, if you if you look going forward uh, for a few years, potentially South Africa's growth rate is going to be subpar, and and very much so when you compare it to what's available in Africa. Uh, but Africa is tough. Ask, ask Jaco Maria. Uh, you know, it's a very tough battlefield, and, you know, it's not like India. We've got one country with a billion people. Africa, you've got, what, north of 50 different countries, different languages, different regulators, different currencies uh, with the same number of people, more or less. So uh, Standard Bank has learned the lessons and has obviously the most developed network in the most countries. So, you know, that, that must put them ahead of the game. ABSA benefits from obviously taking over Barclays operations that have been very well run. Uh, so, but still they have to integrate the two different systems. Netcore totally different because it, 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 the joint venture with Echo Bank, but you dependent on on, on other people and uh, other management and you don't necessarily have the expertise to go in and, and rescue things when they go wrong. And then first round are still building very much from the ground up. But but I think you are right in that uh, the bank who succeeds in growing the African franchise the most over the next you know five years will will be uh, will be the best that uh, the bank that is most rewarded in terms of share price.
0: Koki, just to, to shift focus completely, uh, you did cover Warren Buffett and, and the significant stake he bought in Heinz in your in your monthly letter, uh, your monthly investment letter. In terms of his annual letter to investors uh, that he released this past weekend as uh, chairperson of Berkshire Hathaway, what what stood out for you in in that letter?
4: Yeah, I, I haven't uh, read it in detail yet. I normally. Keep the detail, you know, for just a week before I go. So then it's fresh in my mm-hmm. mind when I sit and listen there. But yeah, the interesting comments he's made is is on um, on the dividend uh, story as well, you know, that uh, he's always believed that it's better not to pay a dividend uh, simply because of of the tax leakage and now South Africa as well, where we've got now amount of the dividend that goes to the receiver of revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always believed that he can Generate earnings for investors better than they can <laughs> mm. now that's not a statement that many others can make uh, We ourselves and most academic uh, research shows that it's much better when um when managements pay out dividends, and companies that pay out good dividends generally are rewarded with higher ratings because the alternative is, you know, return on ego where b- managements want to grow the business. But I think, you know, that, that, that's, that's the one that, that just came true in that he's saying that for a while he'll still continue um, rather investing the dividends for investors.
0: Koyman is head of some Global.
1: SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb.
0: Well, Mike Brown is Managing Director of ETFSA.co. Uh, Mike, looking at the uh, exchange-traded products uh, market at the moment, uh, the end of 2012, 38 exchange-traded funds uh, available and listed, 23 exchange-traded notes uh, available and listed here in South Africa. That takes you to a total of 61. And if you go all the way back to 2010, just two years ago, that number was 30. So that number's doubled uh, in the past two years, is that an indication of how rapidly this this market is growing?
3: Yes, I think it's uh, and it's, it's the same internationally. You know, there's now close to five thousand uh, exchange traded funds and exchange traded notes, you know, listed on stock markets around the world, and that's a business that's close to a US dollar two trillion US dollars, which is two thousand billion US dollars. So it's a massive business worldwide and grew by another 27% last year, just in terms of assets yes, under management. In South Africa, it's a much, uh, you know, it's growing, but it's it's smaller. It's, the total industry is only 48 billion rand, and in, in total, all the ETPs listed on the JSE. And last year, the market cap went up by 19%, just under 20%. So... Uh, yeah, you know, there's momentum in South Africa, but somewhat slower than internationally.
0: Mike, who's using ETFs? Is it uh, predominantly institutions? Is it retail investors? Are, are financial advisors actively getting their clients into ETFs?
3: Um, yes, there's a lot of questions there. First of all, I think uh, certain products are, institutions are buying certain products. Something like New Gold, where you're not investing in gold mines, you're investing directly in gold, is very attractive to institutions. They want exposure to gold because it's an alternative asset has a very different sort of price pass to any other sort of assets. And the best way to get directly invested in gold is, you know, is is through buying new gold rather than buying gold mines, which could have all sorts of labor problems and other problems. Mm. So that's institutional product. But we're finding that in certain products like the property tracker funds and the divi's and the uh, the mid-cap funds and others like that, uh, it's giving exposure to retail investors at low cost, a lot of transparency, and you know you're able to buy and sell these things very easily on the on the JSC or go to platforms like ETFSA and buy them for small amounts of money. So uh, I'm finding, uh, certainly just looking from my perspective, the retail market's growing very strongly and very quickly, but from small amounts. You know, it's mm-hmm. small retail investors, and it takes a long time for that to become apparent in the marketplace. But uh, one thing I, I think all the ETF issuers are now saying is, you know, we, we can't ignore this retail market. It's starting to develop. And I think you'll see more efforts at promoting uh, ETFs, you know, just to individual retail investors in future.
0: You mentioned costs there. Just how uh, just how different are the costs in, in buying an ETF or an ETN versus uh, some of the more active funds?
3: Well, typically an active fund has higher costs because they're over-the-counter products and, you know, you've got to actively manage your portfolio and employ analysts and risk managers and all sorts of people like that. So your typical active Unit trust runs at a total expense ratio, which is a cost of running the fund, of about one and a half to two percent per annum, on average. Depending on what type of fund it is, some are more expensive. Your typical ETF runs at half a percent per annum, and there's some ETFs only charging fees of 0.2 percent per annum, which is you know 20 basis points, uh, and some are even charging no fees at all. Um, so, uh, so ETFs are quite cheap from that point of view. But of course, don't forget, you're just getting the return of the index. You're not going to outperform an index. Mm. But 80% of active unit trust managers in South Africa can't outperform the index. (laughs) So if you buy an ETF, you're buying a low-cost product with an 80% chance of outperforming most of the active products that are available in the market. And I think that's what's also starting to create interest amongst uh, retail investors.
0: That's Mike Brown there, the Managing Managing Director of ETFSA. Wayne, a couple of minutes to go before the end of the program tonight. A couple of questions in. Uh, We'll kick off with uh, two questions uh, from Shoris. The first question, what are your thoughts on buying quality shares which seem to be favorites in the short term, such as a Pinnacle and an EOH, which are, which are market darlings at the moment, versus them being, not, not as a long-term investment, but buying them while they're hot, while, while there's momentum?
1: Yeah, look, buying them while they're hot is not a bad, it's called momentum investing, it's not a bad way of doing investing, just remember to sell it. That's the key with buying shares that have gone up. Now there's been so many studies, you know, do you, or just, does momentum work? Does growth work? Does value investing work? And quite frankly, all the studies I've seen, and understand these studies actually don't mean much because they're all historic and the future is not the same as the past. But all the studies I've seen, is momentum investing over time is as successful as value investing. The real loser is growth investing. So maybe because growth investing is a loser, you should be buying it because it might be the winner over the next five years because that's how investments work. But yeah, if you're going for momentum investing, just don't forget to sell.
0: Second question from Shoros. What is your view on Wessizwe? Uh, it's developing a new mine and buying these shares as a small proportion of one's portfolio, so 5% of a portfolio, for example. Well, as
1: long as it's small, it's okay. But, I mean, I I, I don't start up platinum mines, I think, are in, are in just deep
0: difficulty. And platinum mines in general are in deep difficulty. Look, I'm, 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 I'm quite happy them
1: to, buy, to buy Impala and, and, and Amplats because the capital sunk there already. The capital's there. And the, and the platinum mines... Will recover, but understand the glory days of platinum mining and starting new platinum projects and platinum. I mean, a couple of years ago, every every share that was every new share that was listed was a platinum prospect. Those days are long gone. eh?
2: Moving on to another question that we got from Jabulo, who's a good friend of the show. He asks, "What makes a good portfolio manager?"
1: If I knew the answer to that,
2: <laughs> come on, when you wanted them?
1: No, nah, nah, look. Um, What makes a good portfolio manager I suppose is track record. It's hard to put five new managers together and say this person's better than that one because of this and because of that. But if you've survived a few ups and a few downs and you've survived a collapse here and a financial crisis there and a boom and a bust and a stock market bull and a bear market and you've cut your teeth and you're still around I suppose that makes you a reasonably good investment manager. So it is at the End of the day track record But what attributes I think is just so simple It's just pure common sense Investments isn't a, a science That you need to be a rocket scientist And a doctorate of statistics to work out It's not. That's not investment Investment is a lot, quite frankly Easier than that, it's just more difficult To get right, because you're trying To guess the future, so I suppose The best attribute anyone Can have is just a good solid Dollop of common sense don't get caught up in the positives too much don't get caught up in the negatives too much try and see through the the the, the, the smoke and mirrors yeah mm.
0: Wayne McCurry is with uh, Momentum Wealth. Well, it was a day where the JSC ended up just 0.03%, 40,732 points, up 13 points. Resources down 1% on the day. Gold shares uh, down over one and quarter percent We saw financials and industrials up about 0.4% on the market. Overseas markets uh, looking r- roughly better. Uh, the Dow in the U.S. and the S&P 500 up about a quarter of a percent each. The RAND is at 9.13 against the dollar, 13.60 against the pound. 1185 to the euro. Gold, $1,575 an ounce. Still lower today. Platinum, 1584.
2: Full podcasts and transcripts of tonight's show will be available on moneyweb.co.za. Or you can download our MoneyWeb talk app, available for free on all major app stores.
0: From myself, Hilton Tarrant. And myself, Google Fupi. Have yourselves a great weekend. We're back at 6 p.m. on Monday. It's 6.30 now, and time for Game Plan.